Robert Joseph. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah. I was away last week, but I'm back. It's good to be with you. Back again. and better than ever. I wouldn't say better than ever, but I'm back. I would. You look snazzy. I Thank like your. You. I like your sweater. It's I appreciate that. Very sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um. So we have a theme song. I'm anxious for it. But. It was a last minute. I didn't get to do a deep dive. Oh, it's not going to be very good then. I think it's great. Oh, well, okay. Let's find out. And I'm guessing you will know it. It's recent. Oh, we're talking... uh, So so definitely 21st century. Is it it this decade? 2020s? Uh, 2010s? Um, Late 2010s into the 2020s. I don't think we've ever had one that recent. Um... Yeah, let's see. You ready? I am. All right. Do you know it? I love how big you are. It just screams 80s. That's a huge hit right there. You can see it. You wish I'd watched it. I know at least one of your kids watches it. I would. Because she's told me. Stranger Things? Yes! That's the only reason I got that. That's, oh my gosh, that's the only reason I got that. Do you watch it? Because I know, I know she does. She she, she told me about it. Yeah, my daughter watches it. Uh, Does your your son? Most teenagers watch it. I, I think, I think so. I think my wife and daughter watch it, actually. I don't... So Stranger Things, you've not seen it. It's a Netflix show. It's one of the most popular Netflix shows. It's about... What I love is it's right in the heart of the 80s. It starts in, like, 83 I had no idea that that. So it just screams 80s nostalgia. I am... We are. I am a child of the 80s. I just... I eat up 80s culture. (laughs) Just love it. Um, and uh, it's a great decade. Uh, if, whatever decade you grew up in is the best decade. That's all. Oh, I totally pain. understand that. Headbands. It's about these four, these four kids um, who are buddies, and uh, essentially this um, this monster from a different dimension makes its way into their little town in Indiana. Um, and it's scary, but it's funny. Um, and they're on to, I think they've done at least three or four seasons. The new one's coming out this summer. I, it's one of those, like, we're okay. Get the kids to bed. Stranger Things is on. I'm watching it. I love it. I love how much you love it. And that description did not do a damn thing for me. I suspected you wouldn't get into it. Oh. Yeah. I think you would like it, Rob. Do you? Yeah. Well, I know I- I'm... Just, just I mean, they, they did '80s so well. Like just so that theme song just drips the '80s. The font that they use. I was thinking X Files at first. For Stranger Things, it looks like an old kind of. I don't know what the font is, but it looks like an old like Stephen King. He wrote a book called Needful Things that uses that font. The font just so just breaking out Stephen King novels. Wow. I. 
You are impressive, my friend. You are impressive. I love the show multiple levels. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So a couple years ago at youth group. Oh, we're still going. With yeah, this. Okay. We're, we're almost done. I, I brought it up and I went around and like middle school, high school, because it was like the big show at that time. All of them were watching it. Okay. All of them. Because um, the teenagers are the main focus, but it's also, it's scary, it's funny, it's, it's just good. Really? New season comes out. Is I think it's really like, funny. Like, is it actually funny? There are funny. Some of the characters uh, are fantastic, right? I agree. Yes. I'm with Joel 100%. Like, laugh out loud funny? Was it Dustin? Is <laughs> Dustin the, the... Oh, so great and cute. Yeah. Oh, my you gosh. Just, it's endearing and funny but and it's scary. But also, it's also scary. And, there are and moments, there's big themes. There are moments that like you... Scared. I know you don't. There are moments <laughs> that I can see you kind of going there. You struggling with it. Yeah. Like yeah. being too afraid? I mean, I'm not afraid, but that there is, especially there's a there's a teen who's the kind of the main character who is his world gets gets turned upside I, down, I, and that's I scary. have very and I've shared this before. I have yeah. a very visceral response to the visualization of children suffering. I know you do, and I yeah. I won't I don't subject myself to that in any form of entertainment. So as soon as it gets there, I'm. Boom, I'm done. You just walk away. And I'm done with it. If it's a movie, if it's a show, I'm just... So you just confirmed I will never be watching that. <laughs> I know. I didn't yeah. I didn't think you would. Yeah, no. In July, no. Allison and I will be talking about the Juicy Go for it. Go for it. And I love that you love it so much. And I respect that there are, you know, probably many wonderful attributes about this thing. There are. Yeah. There are. So but we're not here to talk about Stranger Things. Well, we kind of are. But we're going to segue into what something else we're besides TV shows. To begin a conversation that we're excited about. So we've got a new series that we want to explore. Yeah. And we want to talk about uh, how the church is not what it once was. It's not. Um, and that for it's obviously undergone a lot of change throughout its 2,000 years. Oh, yeah. But over... Uh, especially the last 50, but even the last 10 to 20, mm-hmm. as so much is changing around us, the church is um, changing at an incredibly rapid rate. Yep. Um, and our denomination has changed drastically, yeah. um, especially over the last 50 years, over the last 20. Um, and we want to we kind of slowly kind of talk about what has happened, mm-hmm. but then also get to a point where we get to talk about um, not just who the Presbyterian Church USA is, our particular denomination. Or even the church in general. Or right? even the church in general, because it's still so multifaceted. But what what's what's TPC today? Yeah, and and what church? does TPC have to offer to the world? How, how do we live out our faith uh, here as a, as a community? Yep. Because it's different than who this church was 10 years ago and different than who this church was 50 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. And uh, for those of you unfamiliar with, with our community of faith, the other point we really are excited to get into is we expect it's different from your assumptions about who the church is. Um, yes. Yeah. Potentially different from your hopes, but also almost certainly different from what you fear the church may be. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we're 2000 year old institution, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're the oldest one in the world, and yet, um, 
and and we have the church has rightfully been accused of being so slow to change and evolve. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, like, let's own that. Uh, uh, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the church has has been a, rightfully accused of being a stagnant body. Um, but the church of the past 50, 20, 10 years, um, at least from our vantage point, is anything but stagnant. Yeah. And we want to talk about that. Yeah. So let's let's start. Um, and it's I'm going to start with a word that we have used occasionally here in our podcast, and you use it a couple times, um, hmm. but it needs some fleshing out. Um, and I remember going to seminary and first hearing it and realizing I never heard this word anywhere else. It's a weird word. But when it was described to me, uh, I went, yeah, I kind of get it. So the word is Christendom. And it describes, um, for the most part... Um, from the year we could say almost like 400 <laughs> and on. Yeah, 450 on. 450 on, the state of primarily the Western culture in the world, in that there was this um, blending of Christianity um, and culture, basically. And it was, it was very hard to separate and pull away the two. You couldn't have... Christianity without having kind of culture and way of life. You couldn't have culture and way of life without having the church and Christianity. Right. They were they were embedded. And it's very different from now uh, in that I think you can very easily kind of pull those apart. You can, but we have, we have two different things going on. There are a lot of Christians who still think that we are in Christendom or yeah. that we should be in Christendom. Yeah. And then there are others who don't want any parts of Christendom. Yes. Uh, because very quickly, when the church first formed, you know, the, uh, the uh, one of the primary symbols of Christianity was the Christian fish. And uh, tradi as tradition has it, the way this got formed is because the church was so counter-cultural that they were persecuted. Mm -hmm. And one way of finding out the person you were talking to was, in fact, a Christian is that one person with their foot would draw half of the fish, and if the other person was Christian, they would draw the other half of the fish. And that's how you'd get that kind of yes. Christian symbol. I mean, that's how countercultural it was. It started off as a as a movement against, really, um, the, the powers that be and the ethos of society. So Christendom then comes along, and, and you know, to be, to, to, to push it, Fast forward 2,000 years, basically, into the 20th century, and Christendom basically had it here for us locally, is that to be American was to be Christian. Uh, potentially Jewish, but, but largely it was Primarily. assumed mm -hmm. that the neighbor who buys the house next to you, they are going to move in, and they might not go to your church, but they're going to go to a church, right? That's... That's the 20th century up until about 1960 yeah. or so. That was kind of the heart of the 50s in yeah. many ways. That's when it kind of reached its, its, its zenith. And to be sure, the church loved that in so many ways because uh, the church primarily would just open up its doors on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And because of Christendom, right, people would come. The church didn't have to demonstrate faith. The church didn't have to have to really uh, do any kind of um, 
authentic work in order to attract people to the message of Jesus Christ and the love of God. Because to be Christian was, or to be American was largely to, to go to church. That doesn't mean, however, that doesn't mean that everybody who stepped foot through those churches' front doors ended up being a, what we would call a disciple or a practicing Christian. Mm -hmm. Because what happened along the way, the church realizes now, is that uh, with all the assumptions the church was making, um, it turns out there's a difference between um, uh, a faith that is largely um, assumed uh, and participated in versus a faith that is truly lived, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, so uh, in the process, Christianity uh, is critiqued in Christendom very much so as uh, in many ways. Um, one of them is assuming that, you know, the culture from which Christianity, you know, a missionary was coming was the predominant culture. And so Christendom really is a part of colonization or colonialism. Mm -hmm. uh, but also Christendom is a part of, in many ways, the church losing the depth of its, of its, of its real identity, uh, who the church is and who the church is called to be, a body that um, speaks truth, that uh, pursues love, um, and that confronts evil and injustice in mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so when evil would happen in mid-society, uh, whether initially it was slavery, right? The church had a huge role uh, in propagating that evil. Uh, and then uh, move on into the civil rights, right? Uh, the church had a huge role um, in continuing um, the legitimization of systemic racist policies. And, and, and these are just two examples. It, it goes on into uh, LGBTQ and the place of women and indigenous people in, in so many other spheres. Mm -hmm. But this is all tied in to Christendom and the church's kind of identity, not in and of itself, but in culture and in society. Mm -hmm. So it, it reaches its height in the 50s, and then in the 60s, it Christendom begins to decline. It does, um, and it's it's been a, a a a slow decline throughout the remainder of the 20th century, but even in the last 20 years, it's been like it's been a slow decline. In the last 20 years, it's been Ooh. a huge drop. Yeah, huge drop. Yeah. Yep. Very much so. Um, and so undeniable. Uh, and that has led to. Um, different kinds of expressions of mm -hmm. the Christian faith. So for you, I know you've done, Rob, a little more of a deep dive into this than I have. What do you think were, and I'll offer my thoughts too, but what do you think were some of the, the reasons behind um, the decline of Christendom? Like what, what, what happened where we started to kind of separate Christianity and culture a little bit? That's a great question, and there's a lot of things that contributed to it, and I mean a whole lot of things. The civil rights movement, people taking taking a step back and, and trying to um, really examine their faith, their church, and then what their church was asking them to profess and do. 
Um, but to lump it all up and together, it's it's largely the rise of the post of post modernity, right? So yes. there's modernity, which which is kind of a black and white era when there's truth and there's and there's and there's falsehoods, there's reality and there's fiction, there's good and there's bad. Right. Um, so that's modernity. Modernity is an era that trusts institutions. Modernity was an era that lifted up ultimate truth. Yeah. Right. That 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 proclaimed you can find ultimate truth if you search hard and long enough. And so what you believe is truth is truth. It's not just truth to you. It is truth for everybody. And that's the big one right there. I think there is a lack of that time period. There's a lack of gray. That's area. modernity, and modernity largely you, revolves. You run from gray area. Amen. And that a lot of it is tied into the Enlightenment, right? Mm -hmm. This this era where the you know yeah, we're scientific method yeah. comes and, and you you really there's a real huge value on knowledge and understanding and truth. But then in post-modernity and in a lot of things, it's a it's a cultural shift, right? It, and so many things uh, contribute to a societal wide, this really global cultural shift yeah but the cultural shift vietnam um there, there's so many things that contributed to it yeah but uh eventually post-modernity begins to make its way in and post-modernity is really a reaction against modernity yes in a lot of ways and so modernity said whoa whoa whoa, whoa. a lot of things that you said were ultimately true have turned out not to be and my favorite example of that is the atom right because when we went to school we were all taught that the atom is the smallest particle of yeah. matter that there is period into discussion and now our kids are getting taught that the atom is gargantuan compared to compared to quarks yeah and oh my gosh yep. pluto was the smallest planet in our solar system that was fact our kids are being taught that pluto isn't a planet no um, dwarf, dwarf planet they're called so so just learn that. all these things contribute to this progression of modernity into post-modernity where yeah. where what was fact begins to be proven as a falsehood where where black and white end up begin crumbling into this gray area and where ultimate truth people begin to question which for the church now is huge because what does the church proclaim but a christian church yeah. and a triune god mm -hmm. and jesus christ god incarnate who came to reveal God's grace and love for the world, right? Yep. And, we, and the church proclaims that as ultimate truth. So all of this begins to evolve in the 60s and the 70s and begins to pick up speed in the 80s and 90s, and the church begins yeah. to respond. That's a really good um, uh, entry point into that because you then have these couple different directions that uh, parts of the church go off in, yeah. right? So we come from what they call... Um, the our Presbyterian Church, the mainline, the mainline church, which is um, we're main. I don't even know what that means. I believe it, it, it's this. I, I think it's the mainline connection to yeah. the um, Western European kind of hmm. uh, churches, but it's also there is something about the mainline on somewhere on the East Coast. There's a, there's a, there's a connection there. I think. I, don't know. Uh, I looked it up recently because I wasn't exactly sure. They told us, and, and I, I've forgotten it. But we're part of that. So, so uh, Episcopals and Methodists and Lutherans, at least ELCA Lutherans, and um, 
who else? Um, There's a bunch. United yeah. Church of Christ, Reformed Church of America. Thank you. We're yeah. in there. And so the mainline church goes in one direction with that breakdown of, or that shift from modernity to post-modernity, from absolute truth to these, this gray area. Mainline goes in one direction, and then what comes out, there, there was already kind of a very fundamental well, branch of Christianity, which was very black and white, and an offshoot of that was the evangelical movement. Yeah, and I think that movement actually happens first. Primarily. I mean, there's, there is mainline, but it's the evangelical movement that historically really began to react to the rise of post-modernity yeah. uh, and the, the presence of, of gray right? Uh, and so the, there is a movement in the church that began to say, no, no, that there isn't gray when it comes to the Word of God. There isn't gray when it comes to theology. These are things that we believe, and these are ultimately true. Therefore, you must believe them. Mm-hmm. And so a very kind of black and white movement in the church began to emerge as kind of a rejection of the, of the postmodern influence that was beginning to come in as you noted so well, and then uh, we ended up with fundamentalism. The Bible is must literally be understood as the literal word for God, word of God, so that God dotted every I and God crossed every T. Well, and also um, every story needs to be understood in a literal framework because if you yeah. – here's the challenge of it. And this is my own journey of faith where I started to kind of um, struggle with this where uh, – and I had a couple friends tell me this. Well, once you start to question one story, then you start to question other stories. And it's this quick decline where then you're left in this gray area space which can be very threatening of, well, mm-hmm. what is true and what isn't true? When you're coming out of this – so as, as an example – I had a conversation with a friend years ago when I was a youth director. We got into the story of Jonah in the Old Testament, uh, the minor prophet Jonah who ends up on the boat and is thrown over into the sea and this big fish comes and swallows him up and he's in the fish for three days uh, and, then s- and then spit out and ends up on shore. And he basically said, well, it has to be true. Because if it's not, I will, I will start to question everything, mm-hmm. and I can't let myself do that. So he was going to stay in that particular frame of mind. And for yeah. me, at that point, I was starting to kind of go, hmm, <laughs> I'm not sure this story is meant to be read literally. And I started to kind of pull that string a little bit. And it's, you're right, you start to then wonder, start to ask questions. And, and so that's kind of, I think, a, an example of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, do I just go straight on the very fundamental evangelical line of, or do I dip into, start questioning? And then what does that, so I think we, what we want to get to eventually is to flesh out a little bit more of, well, what happened to the mainline church when they started to enter into that gray area? as opposed to the evangelical right. movement that was more black and white. This is, everything happened exactly as it's written. And so I think that's where we want to go. We want to mm-hmm. start exploring that a little bit um, over the next few weeks. 
And we're excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. It's going to be good. Uh, this is... These kind of conversations always just kind of uh, dial me up. I, I, I want to dive into these conversations. So we're excited about it. We'll be back next week. Um, and uh, until then, from Rob, this is Joel. <laughs> see you Sunday. We'll see you next time.